Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money, the podcast that is still waiting for an $8.4 billion bid from BHP. I'm Scott Phillips. He is Andrew Page. How are you, mate? Very good, sir. How are you? I'm exceptionally well. Not only are you, Andrew, the Andrew Page, Esquire, as I like to call you. You are also the manager and founder of strawman.com, an online, um, uh, um, what is it again? It's, it's an online private investment club. <laughs> ah, that's right. And you can find more at strawman.com. I, of course, am the Chief Investment Officer of The Motley Fool here in Australia, uh, fool.com.au, where you can find investment advice and stock recommendations. And those plugs out of the way. Mate, how are you? It's been a very busy week of earnings again. It has. It's like, as we often say, drinking from a fire hose a bit. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's it's that that time of the year. You get, we just get to look under the bonnet, you know, for, for so yeah. much of, of the rest of the time, it's just this wiggly line on a chart, you know, and, and this is where you get to sort of see what matters. Or management will try and misdirect you. But we might get to that in a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we do that, mate, let's let's cover off some of the some of the macro. The macro this week, of course, is <laughs> isn't it always? We can just pre-record this bit for five, five minutes to replay it every week. It is inflation, of course. I'm gonna. I'm an optimist, mate. So I'm gonna need you to ground me here because you tell me you're an optimist, then you tell me how bad things are and why I should look on the other side of it. So let's let's uh, let's go with that. I uh, the, the hope is U.S. inflation eight point five percent, which is obscenely high, but also less than it was last month. And the headlines are creeping out. The optimists among us are, well, uh, have we seen a peak? Hopefully, it's a, maybe it's a peak. I hope it's a peak. Is it a peak? Um, there is the sense that maybe possibly we're seeing something. And I've got to say locally, mate, I've been heartened by the falling petrol prices, among other things, because that, you know, we know the, the oil, oil as a commodity, oil as a, as a lubricant, quite literally and metaphorically, is in almost everything, right? It's, it's the, it powers global transportation um, and local it, transportation, by it's the way. The fa- so it's the else. foundation for our society. Right, quite right. frankly, until without, without, it sounds, yeah. you know, it sounds sort of silly to say it, but it is, it is, yeah. it's everything. And hopefully, because it is in everything, as it comes down, it might start to take away a bit of that inflationary pressure. Um, it, it's also true, mate, we compare inflation versus last year. So by definition, once the prices are higher, even if they start to come down from their current year peak or their last month's peak versus a year ago, they're still going to be high. Um, where, where sit you? Are you on the fence? Are you in the optimistic camp, the pessimistic camp? Uh, is inflation... In the revision mirror yet? Are we getting there? Where are we? Where are we sitting? Uh, gee, we, we, you ask me this all the time, and I just oh, I don't. I don't know. And it's, Will it's you such, it, find out, please. Cause well, it's it's it's. The, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like it's, it's the question. It's sort <laughs> yeah. of it, it matters a lot. And as I've speculate I've said, wildly for me. Well, I've, my trouble is, and I, I say this all the time, is that I read a lot <laughs> and I I follow a lot of what feel like smart people. And some of the smart people say it has peaked and others say, no, it's going to get worse. <laughs> and they both make really compelling cases. That's always the case, isn't so it? So my, my, I think there's a natural tendency for us. We've talked about this before where you – there is something bizarrely appealing about the negative <laughs> side of things. It just it – it just is. looking at the world through rose-coloured glasses, it just seems mm. a bit Pollyanna-ish, you know. Yep, it's yep, sort of yep. like, oh, it'll all be fine. Like, oh, that, that seems reckless almost where the mm. person who's sort of mm. saying, no, 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 things are going to get really bad. <laughs> it just, it just yeah. seems like the more prudent, smarter approach to take. Um, so, look, uh, on one – 
one of the things I read recently, which there's an analyst that credits Swiss over in the US who's mm. got some really interesting things. Uh, Zoltan Pozar is his name. Okay. And he was talking about how it's actually going to get a lot worse. And, and the, the broad oh. thread of his argument was actually we've always had inflation. It's just that right. it's, been, it's been masked over the last 20 or so years because while we've had a lot of monetary inflation, so the, the, the monetary base has been expanding quite a bit, mm, mm. It's, been, it's been counteracted by all this super, super, super cheap stuff we're getting from China and all this right. super, super cheap energy that we've been getting from places like Russia. Mm. And at one point there, the US shale boom, you know, mm. it just sort of changed everything. And, and now that we're in a world where there's increasing tensions between, well, let's face it, China and Russia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the world's factory and the world's uh, petrol station. <laughs> and, and so the argument goes is, mm. is and also, yeah, the, the argument goes is that there, we're, oh, we've also been massively underinvesting in new energy development um, for some good reasons, like the world is trying to transition the existing mm. players mm. in fossil fuel are just have lacked any kind of clarity and regulatory sort of framework to operate in because of yeah. you know our leaders just sort of wishy washy all over the place. So they don't they don't know they haven't been making investments. So there isn't a hell of a lot of supply that mm. that can mm. come mm. on. Um, there's a different situation as well where central banks are in a very difficult situation where the, just the sheer load of of debt is, is so mm. massive mm. that they mm. don't have as much flexibility as they once did with the one tool that they've got to use. So it feels as though it feels as though uh, under the, that kind of framework that yeah okay things are sort of dipped back from a peak <laughs> but yeah. even if they even if they do settle down a bit they're not going to settle down at this lovely 2 to 3% range necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know there's so many column inches written and, and so many podcast hours filled with people mm-hmm. opining on this kind of stuff mm-hmm. and it's just as, <laughs> as, that to it. <laughs> it, and we do it too but it, it's kind yeah. of every yeah. time Every single time we yeah. we talk, not just us, just we as, as humans, we, we sort of talk mm-hmm. about it. People say this is going to happen, this is going to happen, and that's going to happen, and right, then it right, doesn't, right. and then something else completely different, unexpected sort of tends to fall. So I'm really, really hypercognizant mm-hmm. of all of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. I feel as though, I yeah, so I, I lean more on the bearish side of things. Maybe it has peaked, but I don't know if, if, if we're going back to a very, very low inflation environment. Interesting, mate. I uh, just just a quick a quick plug, but not 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 deliberately. But as you mentioning uh, the kind of lack of investment, what's going on around the world? I interviewed Andrew Purcell. He's the executive chairman of Melbana Energy for the Good Oil Podcast, the other podcast that I do. And um, obviously, he's going to talk his book. So so take it all with a grain of salt, as we should always do when anyone talks their own book. But he makes the point that a combination of economic and also, frankly, environmental and governance and policy reasons, there just simply hasn't been a lot of new. Um, energy development and so yeah. those who have it are going to make small fortunes is the argument now he would say that because he's a executive chairman of an energy business an oil business let's be honest yep. but also to, to the extent that if that is true he makes the case it's true I don't claim absolute expertise but it seems plausible as you say with the analyst you mentioned before um, that idea of hey <laughs> you know this, this is a this is a limited supply situation mm. and those who have it frankly make people make the same argument about what happened coal and others that they're not 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 digging any more coal mines because it's just absolutely you know it's, it's kind of the topic that no one wants to talk about so those who have it are kind of in in their views and again i don't actually have a really clear investment thesis or even a, even a strong perspective or view on this one but um their view of people who make this case is that coal and oil are kind of have, have almost done artificial price support 
because yeah. of that supply constraint, which I think is a, a fascinating and frankly plausible, again, as you say, plausible rather than absolute, <laughs> but, but a very plausible scenario. Hundred oh, percent. I mean, a couple of months ago, we, I was I was mm. making that that case that this, this mm-hmm. is actually a really good time to invest in in that area. You were, you were. Be- because I mean, no, normally mm. it's been bad because there's yeah. all it's, it's a commodity, and and whenever <laughs> yeah, there right. is any increase in demand, it'll be met yeah. by supply. Yeah. Um, and any money that is made reinvested back into the next development, so the cash doesn't really mm. ever mm. tip out mm. the bottom too much for for shareholders. Yeah. But yeah. yeah, actually, there's 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 two things there. There's actually there's no there's no supply side response, and no one's spending the, no one's reinvesting the money. So mm. it's it, the analogy that that we've discussed a couple times now is that it's the tobacco companies going back to the yeah. 80s, right? Yeah. Great, in, you know, ethical investing aside, a phenomenal investment. Mm. You just mm. you know very low multiple, so you could buy it and put it another way, you could buy it very high yields. Um, with lots of free cash flow gushing out that could be reinvested and compounded away over many, many years. One, one of the best investments you, you could make. I, I do wonder if that's if that's not, again, um, a situation. Mm-hmm. You know. So, so the, the threat to that the, the threat to that bull case is that uh, there is all of a sudden a, a big bunch of clarity and everyone just picks up their picks and shovels and, and goes out mm-hmm. looking for all of this mm-hmm. stuff and developing huge huge. Um, uh, assets and spending all that all this money mm. um, it could be that the more people see the value in this trade it's sort of arbitraged away but mm. you know barring those two things there's, there's something to be said for it um, speaking of ethical investing speaking of other things going on speaking of commodities nice little segues all into the fact that BHP this week has run valid an 8.4 billion dollar bid for Oz Minerals. Now, I mentioned ethical investing because BHP has, uh, has all of a sudden become a clean miner because it sold its uh, oil assets to Woodside. So look, guess what? Hey, mum, look. No, I'm, I'm all clean now, uh, which, I, which I quite liked. Um, yeah, do you, quick aside, do you remember, you know, you know Clark and Door, the, the kind of comic Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Yep. Do, you remember the, do you remember the oil tanker with the front fell off? Oh, it rings a bell, but I, I need so, to YouTube it. So they interview the then environment minister, I say Peter Collins. I think it was. I think that. Think it was. Anyway, and so yeah, they talk about the, the ship and why there's a, a oil spill with twenty thousand barrels of oil in the off the coast and blah blah blah. And uh, he said, "Well, no, the front fell off." And so, anyway, it's, it's mate. It is honestly one of the funniest <laughs> few minutes. It looks stop the podcast right now, listeners, and, and go and check out. Just Google the, the front fell off Clark and Door. If you're if you're not laughing, then there's something wrong with you. Uh, but at one point, at one point, uh, the interviewer says, "Well, what about the environment?" And and the uh, uh, John Clark playing playing Senator Collins says, uh, "Oh no, no, we've had, we've touched it outside the environment. It's beyond the environment. There's no damage to the environment. It's outside the environment, which I just kind of like the idea of like selling assets. Like, oh, no, it's it's outside the environment. It's not a BHP anymore. No, we're fine. We're fine. The oil's <laughs> gone away. It's over there outside the BHP. <laughs> anyway, uh, mate, Oz Minerals. This uh, this is fascinating, and I I don't have a really clear um, takeaway from this, but it's a massive, massive amount of money." Um, BHP was oil and gas effectively. Um, uh, jokes aside, uh, we kind of you know they they, they stopped <laughs> being a uh, uh, an oil player by by hiving off the oil assets to uh, to Woodside, but now bidding eight point four billion dollars uh, for Oz Minerals, trying to basically diversify into what is largely a copper and nickel business. Oz Minerals. Um, I just think it's an interesting question idea topic uh if you're bhp 
you're maybe looking for diversification. Maybe you're looking at the whole industry and saying, hey, copper's where it's at. Um, growth in electronics, CVs, you can kind of, you know, make whatever um, kind of, you know, claim or combination of claims you want as to why they might want to or why they might not have wanted and all that kind of stuff. But this is a massive thing. They're, they're, this was a sub $20 share price for Oz Minerals. They bid $25 for it. Oz Minerals said no, get stuffed. And the market price was above that previously. Um, interesting for a whole lot of reasons. Um, obviously, the market expecting more. BHP paying a pretty penny, desperately, obviously, wanting this asset. Um, interesting approach. And I wonder, if you're BHP, are you doing this for the diversity? Are you doing this for the growth? Are you doing this because iron ore is on the nose? Um, what, does it, what does it say to you when, when something, some of the size and scope of BHP, is there just no growth left? What, what, what do you make of, of the bid? Well, the... The lens that you should look at it through and that the board should be looking at through it is mm-hmm. that they have they are the, they are the custodians of a certain amount of capital and their their duty is to mm-hmm. maximize their return for shareholders now mm-hmm. we would hope that they're doing that in a corporately <laughs> responsible legal and ethical kind of way of course they would and be. I'm not going to suggest for a second that they're not <laughs> um, but people, people, people I think sometimes we, and I do it too, we conflate mm. Our, mm. our expectations, wants, beliefs um, mm. with, you know, perhaps as, as sort of citizens as, uh, with what might be happening with these companies. Companies exist for the benefit of shareholders. That's the whole raison d'etre, right? Yes. So, so to also answer- the reason for being. As it, that, that is their reason. It is their reason for being. <laughs> Otherwise, that'd be a charity, you know, yep. or a non-profit yep. organization or mm-hmm. something. And that, that's fine if that's what you want to do. But if, if you are a, a, a corporation and people have put money in because they expect to get more money out, the, mm. only, the only lens that they should be looking through is if we do this, Will we take the money that we have today and any other money that we may need to raise along the way and turn that into more money later? That's it. Full stop. Full right. stop. That's that's entirely what it is. So and, and I and look, BHP is you know it's not their first rodeo. They've been around the block a few times. I, I think that's exactly what they're doing. And I think I think they're making a very long term uh, calculation here, and they see that where the future lies for them, and that's in an electrified world, and they're looking for assets that best help them win in that in that new world and they also understand that these are very very long long cycles and um you have to sort of look well behind the uh, beyond the horizon and around corners and stuff and yeah for for whether they're right or wrong i don't know i'm I'm not i'm not a close analyst of of either of these companies but yeah i i I presume that's that's what that's what the play is i think do you know better um, no no well this is the thing they don't you know they they Uh, for all of the for all of the expectation that companies are doing the right thing by their shareholders, I'm sure most are absolutely trying to. What you read about uh, what why companies are doing things doesn't always uh, cover itself in glory when it comes to transparency and uh, and clarity, um, it, corporate speak and and uh, justifications and other things often often happen. So what are they what are they really doing it for? What are they really looking at? Why are they really seeing the opportunity? Open questions, right? Um, back to BHP for a second. When they got rid of their oil business, I'm sure part of it was the future of oil as a commodity. The other part was the ethical concerns and the ESG pressure they're getting. And of course, BHP say, no, 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 we're, only, we're doing this because it's just in the best interest of our shareholders because Woodside and assets and more value and they get some shares and see, we're really good guys. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily, uh, I think, <laughs> can I say generally without referring to BHP at all so the lawyers don't call me? Uh, you, can, you can throw away the first three pages of any press release announcing almost anything, uh, which we'll get to in a second, by the way, with another company who reported this week. Um, 
Why are they doing it? I don't know, mate. It's a really, really good question. They're I doing it to make money. To, they're doing it to make money. Oh, totally. Of course they are. But, yeah. but, the, but the why or the what and the how and the... And the so the, the what is interesting, right? Of the, this rather than something else is the open question. If you're an iron ore miner and you've got squillions of dollars worth of iron ore assets and you choose to invest your money in nickel and copper, that, you know, there, there is a question about why that. Is it just really cheap and it's the best idea? Maybe. Is it they're worried about iron? Maybe. Are they worried about the concentration of iron? Maybe. Those questions are real questions for shareholders because even after this deal, even if this deal is the best deal they can possibly do, you've got to ask yourself about the rest of the business, right? If you're Kodak and you make a small investment in, in digital camera technology, but you keep running the film business, that's still 90% of your business, you might be buying digital cameras to make money, but you, you know the rest of your business is kind of at some serious risk here. Uh, not that Kodak did that, of course, by the way. They famously didn't. Um, but you know what I mean? It's that kind of idea of like, what does it say about the rest of the business? That's the bit I'm fascinated by. And they'll never say. They'll never tell you the truth, and they don't have to, I suppose. Uh, but that's the bit that uh, that's the bit that kind of just makes me wonder what is what is the rationale as to why this is the best idea in the context of the rest of BHP's business. Yeah, I don't know the answer. Mate, no, um, I don't let's, let's go to earnings because it has been earnings season, and we've spent 15 minutes talking about everything else. But this we had some really, really, really big. This might even be the bluest chip of the earnings weeks of August. Um, we've said before, August is considered earnings season because companies have to report their earnings within two months of the end of the financial year. Most of the end of financial year is June 30, so therefore sometime in August, by the end of August, is kind of the obligation. Uh, this week, we have seen CBA, NAB, News Corp, REA Group, Telstra, and plenty of others all report earnings. I want to go just a quick Cook's tour, mate, because these are big for lots of different reasons. They're big because they're really dominant. Uh, if you're an index investor, you simply keep your eye on the ASX 200. These guys, wow, I mean, between them, mate, I'm going to say, what, 20, 25% of the index in, in yeah. those five or so companies? Mm. So there's that. Um, they are big corporate players in the economy, so there's that too. Let's start with, with let's start with, I'll go with NAB actually. NAB was out on, I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, Tuesday it was. It's profits were up a couple of percent. Two percent excluding an acquisition, three percent including the Citigroup acquisition. Uh, they acquired Citigroup's Australian assets. Um, it was a really ordinary result, I thought, and I thought it was in keeping with the challenges the banks have had over the past couple of years. The, the, the challenge with falling house prices, shrinking margins. This was the banks who, you know, were showing very clearly that they are, if not ex-growth, at least really struggling to grow. Mm. And then yesterday, oh, sorry, Wednesday, Commonwealth Bank came out and blew the doors off. I, like, you know, you, you don't love the banks. I don't love the banks as investments. Mm. That, that's fine. Separate to that, I'm not saying people should buy the shares because of it, but separate to that, CBA's earnings were up 11%. Mm. And I just thought that was remarkable, mate. Remarkable in the context of a very concentrated banking sector. Remarkable in the context of NAB's own numbers, which I thought were about what the banks would do on average, because that's just GDP plus a bit kind of stuff. That's, you know, it's about what you expect. Um, it's it's just one of those situations where, um, I don't know, mate, I, I just I thought it was a really, really, really impressive set of results. By the way, their margins also shrank. Their net margins, so the bottom line, went from 2.08 to 1.9%. Mm. So if you can grow 11% in the context of your margin shrinking by a tenth effectively, mate, really, just, just such, a, such an impressive number and... Worryingly for the other banks, CBA has long been the mortgage bank, the, the homeowner bank, the, the home loan bank. It's business, business. <laughs> the, the business part of, its, uh, part of its banking operations, that was the big growth. I just thought this was a really, really strong set of results. Again, I'm not saying people should invest in the banks necessarily. I don't think they're cheap. I think there are some significant risks to the share prices. All that stuff 
remains absolutely true. But give these guys their due. If you're in charge of the... It's a bit like commodity companies, right? You say, okay, well, you can't control the price. All you can do is control the operations. Commonwealth Bank, same thing, right? They cannot, there's only so much they can do. They can't control the share price. They can't control the market. But, gee, they've done a spectacular job. I, I couldn't be... They, they should be absolutely stoked with the result they delivered, I reckon. Oh, yeah. Uh, they're the best They're the best of the big four. Um, I, I've long thought that. Um, credit to them. But just to throw a little bit of cold water, because why not? Um <laughs> Actually, well, something else I'll say in the positive, loan arrears were really low, really low. Um, yes, and, so and reduced, actually. Too. Reduced. They had a $360 million benefit from the reduction of, um, of their bad debt uh, provisions as well. NAB, NAB had the same. Yep. So that, that's, yep. a really, yep. that's a really interesting signal. It's one of the ones I was interested to see, given with what's happening with interest rates and the rest of it. And So that was interesting. They've had a, a pretty high number. I'm going to forget exactly what it was between CBA and the NAB, but something like you know two-thirds of their their mortgagees are uh, ahead on their repayments. Um, that's mm. good. Although even my even my 12-year-old said, hey, Dad, does that mean that a third aren't? I was like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, you can. You, you unlike most well, journalists, can, can add up to 100. <laughs> and that is a biggish number. In, in buried within, uh, I think it was, was it NAMS or C? One of them was, was uh, actually Alan Kohler <laughs> talked about it on the news. It was mm-hmm. like it, if, mm-hmm. if interest rates go to where the market's sort of forecasting it, Things change pretty rapidly, so it's all mm. there's, there's some interesting things that happen on the margin. Anyway, be, being mm. that that what it is, um, there's one thing to note that that with CBA the 2021 result wasn't a great one. Mm. So the 9.6 billion dollars in profit mm. kind of takes them back to where they were in 2020, yeah. and still below where they were in 2017. Mm. Um, so there's been there's been a bit of a sideways sort of trajectory on mm. on oh, that. Totally. You know, totally. so so it's I, look. Always, I always upset a lot of baby boomers when I talk about the banks because oh, they've done duh. so insanely well. Um, out of them for so, but they well, they, there's really a story of two halves. There's sort of a story of the deregulation yep. in the early days of the property boom, where these were just money printing yep. factories. I mean, yep. anyone, yep. You, they were always the go-to example whenever you had to give a presentation on why you should invest in shares. You know, big blue mm. chip, safe, rock solid. Look at what they've done. They just compounded away at ridiculous rates for, for so long. Mm, mm. But in the last ten years, it's really it's really not been the, the case. And you know, um, you're, you're looking at these companies that, as you've just said, are, are solid companies. They'll be around for a long, mm, long time. Mm, mm, but you're getting a three point eight percent yield, albeit fully yeah. franked, on something yeah. that's really not growing. Yeah, grown from last year, but step step backwards a little bit. It's not a not at all. You I mean I, I could have bought I could have bought NAB ten years ago, mm. two thousand and twelve. Mm. My share price mm. is the same. Yeah, I got dividends mm. along the way, so maybe add four percent a year or something. It's not it's not great. Um, and yeah, so I so I so look, good on them. Well done. <laughs> you couldn't help yourself, could you? I I, well, I, I, I want I, they do a great job. Be like, but look at NAB over seven or eight years. Look how bad they are. See, they're terrible. I just you can't I, say Comex done a great job, could you? They, you they, you they, they have done a great job. I just want to reiterate my. <laughs> My concern is that I, I always talk about yep, asymmetry yep. here. And so let's say, and this isn't about being a doom and gloom kind of person. Economy goes, you know, we muddle, muddle ahead and, and we're, we're just sort of fine. Well, you know, CBA, it's already on a P of almost 19, you know, for, for a business that even if it manages to re- sort of re- sustain some average kind of growth or 3 or 4%, which is as good as they're ever likely to sustain over any meaningful period of time. They're just so big and so dominant. They're not... They're not the kind of company that will grow at 10% consistently for a long period of time because the Australian economy isn't big enough to absorb that, you know. Um, 
So, so okay, that's all right. I'll, I'll probably get an upper single digit type mm-hmm. total return, mm-hmm. dividends, franking credits, all included. It's, that's, that's better than a poke in the eye. Um, yep. But if, and I know this is, mm. people always get me wrong here. I'm not, I'm not saying you, this, is, this is what's going to happen, but if there is some kind of <laughs> more difficulty in the housing market or just the economy more generally, you've got a hell of a lot of downside. Banks are incredibly cyclical, economically exposed entities. We forget that in Australia because we just haven't had a recession for, forever. If you take away the, the anomaly that, that was sort of COVID. Um, I, I, just, I just find it really uncompelling. <laughs> like if heads, I win, woo, up a single digit kind of return, tails, I lose, and then whack, I, I lose a third of my money. It, it just seems, I'm, you know, next. I'll, I'll look for something else. Some people say glass full. Glass even half full. You just see glass needs washing up, Andrew. Right? When it comes to the banks, and that's and that's completely okay yeah. too. I look. I, I don't. I don't necessarily disagree with you. Um, I yes. I'm less, I'm less bearish than you are. Um, because yeah, I was listening to so great a podcast. Quick podcast um, uh, plug, not for one of ours, but uh, the Knowledge Project by Shane Parrish. Uh, I listened to some of them. They're all very long. Some are great. Some I don't, just don't get turned on by the guest, and that's fine. I was listening to an interview with Mark Andreessen, the the famed venture capitalist. And he talked about probability and the concept of both the, the size of the outcome, we'll this size of the outcome and the, and the chance of it happening. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely right, mate. With the yeah. with the you know best case is a, is a single digit growth. Worst case, maybe you lose a third of your, your value. And I think that's absolutely true. Where I where I'm not as bearish as you, and this may come back to haunt me, is uh, I you know I don't think either. Or maybe you do actually. I don't think I'll say for me the odds of both of those are fifty fifty. If that was if that was the case, it'd be a negative expected value, right? Yes. Half a chance of losing thirty percent, half yep. a chance of making five percent. Then of course yep. that's a terrible outcome. Yep. If there's a ten percent chance of losing a third and a ninety percent chance of making five percent a year, yeah. then you're still ahead by taking taking the odds. So I'm, I'm but, less but just to clarify yeah, that, you're, and the maths you're doing is hundred percent right. But the but the expected value is still unappealing. Oh, totally, absolutely, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I'm not, I'm not bullish. I'm just less bearish because of. I just, I just want to put that kind of. It's not, it's not like a, a you know, a, a scale where there's plus five on one, minus thirty on the other, and you go, well, of course I wouldn't do it. That there is a, there is a higher probability to my mind of a, of a long term single digit percentage, even if there's a third fall at some point. Because oh yeah, sure. Banks yeah. do what banks do, as you say. That's that's the. And I, I, I think it's such a great point you make, and it's one worth clarifying because so often when when you're on a platform whether it be a podcast or whatever mm. and you say thing people hear what they want to hear and so it's really yeah, important to yeah. clarify these things there are some really wonderful wonderful businesses on the ASX which I just think are just stonkingly great and will be around for ages mm. and I don't mm. own them mm. and I, why, why don't I own them well well mm. well one even you can do bad as an investor mm. even mm. in a great business if if the price isn't <laughs> compelling correct you know, Charlie Munger makes that point all yeah. the time it's so true it's so true um, so, so there's that. And there's also the other one, which is opportunity cost. So the, the, the better question is it not a question of, oh, Andrew and Scott hate the banks. No, that's, that's a silly interpretation mm-hmm. of, of what Correct. we're saying. Yeah. What, what, what I'm saying, I won't include you with it. What I'm saying is, is of the 2,200 odd companies that I, that I have <laughs> the option to invest yeah. in, yeah. Yeah. I, and, and for someone who really doesn't need to own more than 20 stocks, tops, tops, yeah. right? Because adequate diversification the question is, do I think this mm. is the best, one of the top 20 best risk-adjusted opportunities out there? And for me, the answer yeah. is no. Yeah. You know, And then I'll look at other, you'll look point. at some businesses in my portfolio and go, Andrew, my gosh, that's ridiculously mm-hmm. hyper-speculative compared to something like the Commonwealth Bank. Yeah. To which my answer is, yes, absolutely it is. <laughs> but if things work out here, it's a 20x return, <laughs> right? Um, and, and I don't need nah, to get too many point. of them right for the overall to be attractive. So you've got to fold all of that in. You've got to look at it at a portfolio level. You've got to look at it at an opportunity cost level. 
And yeah, it, for me, CBA at this point doesn't fall into it. I've said repeatedly, next 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 route that we have, next like serious bear market, mm, mm, mm. major recession. I don't know when that's going to mm. be. At some point, um, I'm going to look very closely at the banks because they're going to get wiped <laughs> out. Imagine buying yeah, the bank, yeah, yeah. imagine buying the banks in in early 2009, late 2008. Totally right, incredible, right? Um, there's Even a time during th- the COVID crash, I think. From yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's yeah. A, there's a time and a place, and uh, yeah, for me, it's not now. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. Let's move on. Uh, REA was was interesting, uh, despite, and you'll have some views on this, you, you, you kind of take a passing interest in property from time to time, as our <laughs> listeners may know. Yeah. Um, uh, these numbers were really good. Um, and, you know, even despite reductions in listings and all that kind of stuff, really strong numbers from REA. They say, and I, this is a bit I want your thoughts on, they say, hey, even if the house market cools, it'll be good for us. Uh, and sometimes that's true. Sometimes businesses are genuine all-weather businesses. Other times CEOs are just, and I actually think they believe this, right? There's, anything, there's nothing untoward here. The, you know, if you're a CEO, you've got to be both an optimist and, a, and, a, and a, the head salesperson, right? You've got to believe you have these magical powers to do these wonderful things. And so REA saying, no, times will suit us. We'll be fine. You know, we'll we'll, we'll benefit from a, from a housing downturn. Uh, now, the theory goes, of course, that REA doesn't make its money from listings per se. It does, obviously. It makes a lot of its money from premium listings, where people pay overs to get their house or their property to the top of the page, um, to get extra features, all that kind of stuff. The the, the value add in air quotes, um, I'll, I'll call euphemistically, is where REA's real cream is, and they've done a spectacular job of doing it. They reckon. Even when the market slows or continues to slow, it's probably a better way to put it. They'll be okay because people still want to sell their houses. Well, and maybe they'll overinvest because they want to get the best possible price, get in front of the most possible buyers. A paucity of of buyers means you've got to work harder to be in front of them. So goes the so goes the theory. I've I can I'm going to say, mate. I think both outcomes are credible, mm. and I really don't know that I have enough expertise to know which is likely because we haven't had a housing downturn in a, in a very long time. Certainly not in the internet age where this model has been tested to this degree um, and to see what's going to come out of it but it makes sense to me if you're selling a, a you know seven hundred thousand eight million dollar million and a half dollar asset you're going to spend the extra grand or two grand to to make sure you get the best possible price or the best possible chance of a sale so i i that actually makes sense on the flip side um when house prices are going up, every buyer expects to get the best possible price, so they're going to pay more to get that sort of position. Now, maybe those things are both true, or maybe only one of them is true, and I don't know yet, but I'm curious as to your thoughts, um, given where REA sits, given where the property market sits, is that, is that a credible position? Are, are, they, are they worth buying, or is this one of those who wouldn't touch it till the market really sorts itself out and house prices start to grow again? Uh, well, I'll start by saying that this is just a phenomenal success story. Isn't you know, it? when when I get my time machine, this this is probably one of the ones <laughs> I'll, I'll go back and buy because yeah, yeah. it is it, it has just been a stonkingly great performer. It's got yeah. everything you like in a business: super capital yeah. light, huge network effects, massive mm-hmm. operating leverage, huge margin, just ridiculous pricing power, market power. Mm-hmm. It's everything. You know, you don't if you're selling your house, you don't have a choice, right? That is that is a pretty good position to be in. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that all of that is true. The mm. the I think there's some truth to what they're saying. I mean, mm. look, if there was yeah, yeah. Th- there's a question of degrees here, right? Um, what matters is the turnover, not the price. 
Correct. So, so if 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 house prices it's not fall, the turnover, right? So it's the it's the price per listing and the number of listings. So it's not even turnover necessarily. Like, they could be unsold; they still make a fortune. So yes. this is where it's really hard to try and really nut out. It was like house prices are falling, therefore classifiers do bad. I was like, okay, I get that. Yeah. It was like, well, there's the number of there's the turnover, there's the number of listings, there's the average price per listing, there's all of the premium features in air quotes you can get by listing your product property, and the real estate agents themselves are probably going to want to make the sales. So they're going to encourage you to to premiumize the whole thing. And, and you know, over invest potentially. Like, oh, yeah. Get out of any real estate agent out there. Yeah, oh, yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. So a 40 percent plunge in in mm. in property prices. These mm. guys are going to hold up a lot better than what you might think. If everyone pulls their head and go, "Whoa, I'm just going to wait until <laughs> things get better," so there's not yeah. forced selling or any of that kind yeah, of really yeah. scary stuff. That's absolutely going to hurt them. But at the same time, they'll survive. They will survive, right? Um, they, mm. they, this, the, the, the nature of the business. The more interesting thing for me, and again, so I think you've got to be careful with mm. with trying to layer in big ma- timing, big macro events like that. Mm. Mm. Because you know, had you done that, you know, five, ten years ago, you just would have missed out. This property, the Steve Keen of the mm. world, right? Where the property yes. crash yeah. never, never came. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and and totally right. Yeah, they've yeah. gone on, and 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 maybe yeah, yeah. maybe nothing happens, or maybe there's a yeah, little bit of a yeah. dip, or maybe it's just stagnant. But listings go strong, and this ends up being a, a great investment. Mm. So I, I think mm. for a long, long term investor, I think this is a pretty decent business. Notwithstanding yeah. what I said before, the the the, yeah. the price is what you pay, value is what you get. You're looking at a forty time multiple on on. On mm. earnings at the moment, mm. again for a business that's that's literally doubled their profit on a per share basis in the last what is it five or six years, it's actually mm. not as high. I'd, I'd much prefer to pay a forty times PE on something growing really rapidly than than you know a PE of five on something that's that's collapsing. So um, uh, that's true. The the thing is, of course, is that what what always happens here is you get the hyper growth mm. as the disruption occurs. So there was a yeah. stage where everyone looked at the, the Printed classifiers, and then everyone went online. And when going online, yeah. it was domain and, and, and REA group. <laughs> yeah. and that's happened. That's happened. Yeah. Like there's, yeah. there's no there's no more of that disruption to occur, which is fine. There's still a lot of things that they can do and extra bells and whistles, but they've kind of squeezed all the most of the juice out of that particular lemon. And so now what you see that they're doing, well, we're adding more services, we're going into India, we're going into other jurisdictions. And then the question becomes, well, what's the return on that investment going to be like? Mm. You see this a little bit, we actually see it a lot, where companies have phenomenal early success, the market becomes hooked on growth and comes (laughs) to demand and expect further growth just to extrapolate it out. The board and management go, crap, how are we going to do this? <laughs> That's right. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah, I think yeah. a lot of the time, yeah. they wouldn't have never admit it. They're just as surprised as anyone else. You just find yourself yeah. at the crest of this wave and you're like, holy mm-hmm. moly, did we time this well? <laughs> um, and, and now it's kind yeah. of like, well, if I'm taking a couple hundred million dollars and plowing that into mm. India mm. and mm. I don't get the same, I don't get the same- um, <laughs> Yeah, return. Return. All mm. I'm doing is setting money on fire. You can do it for a long time for these kinds of companies because they've yeah. got the, you've got this cash mm. machine over here just mm-hmm. spewing out cash. <laughs> but if you're taking that and putting yeah. it somewhere else and setting it on fire, now yeah. so so then so what am I saying? So then it comes back to as it always does your yeah. faith in management as capital allocators and investors. Mm. Um, it probably this never happens. This never ever ever happens. <laughs> but so I'm, I'll say it anyway. But mm. there's there's. I think there's a lot to be said for the board and management team that go recognize that reality and just say, we're just going to pay out 
we are spewing cash over yeah. here. The growth is is gone, but what we are going to do is we are going to we are going to dis- distribute all of that lovely free cash flow mm-hmm. to you, our, our wonderful shareholders. Market will probably re-rate on that basis, um, but then you get an opportunity to buy your own shares back, which is just another acquisition if you think about mm. it. Except you're buying your own business and you don't have any of those integration costs. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's it's hard, isn't it? I yeah. that international expansion thing, Matt's fascinating. I'm you know we we've seen in the classified space. We've seen them all go overseas. And I don't think any of them have really actually started to pay off meaningfully yet. No. Arguably, Seek did the deal. Was it Xiaoping, I think, is the Chinese classified business that was then taken kind of private. And so they got some money back for that. So that was probably the one where there was some genuine value recognition at some point. But car sales through Asia and South America, Seek's trying the same thing, REA's trying the same thing. I'm not sure they won't do well eventually, but... Those, those investments are starting to really drag. If you think about when the money was invested, sometimes 5, 7, 10, 15, maybe, yeah, probably, years yeah. ago. Yeah. I, I, you know, I don't know. It, and it makes logical sense. If I was there, I would have absolutely said, hey, we know how to do it. We've had the experience. We've got the program. We've got the software. We've got the site. We've got the people. Let's go and do it. And other. It makes absolute perfect. I'm not going to criticize anybody for trying it. I'm not entirely sure. And it's going to be corrected, but I'm not entirely sure any of that's actually come good yet. No. In, in, a, in a meaningful way. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. And, and just, it just shows you how tough it is. You know what I actually think the better approach is? Mm. I think Google's a great example of the alphabet these days is, mm, is mm, mm. You, you wait to see the dominant player in that new geography or that new sphere and you just buy them. <coughs> Do you remember, remember when Facebook mm. b- bought Instagram yeah. or, or, or an alphabet bought yes, um, yes. YouTube? And it's like the, yep. the sums or, or, when, or when Disney bought um, Marvel or Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Right. Yes, so yes. The, these are all these are mm-hmm. all eye-watering sums and I remember a lot of people at the time going, "What idiots? What, why would you pay that much for for this?" Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like I actually I actually got a lot of sympathy for it because you are paying a huge amount of money, but you've got a product that you know works, that's got the lead, that's got the momentum, that's got the traction, and now you can throw your extra resourcing behind behind that. You will make more money if you come come in there and say, actually, we're just going to set up our own thing because, hey, we're Google. We can do that. Um, but Google found that out the hard way with Google Plus when they tried to take on Facebook. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so it's yeah, sort of yeah. like uh, it's, it's just, it's, just it's, it's diabolically it's diabolically hard and, and, you, and all businesses suffer from hubris. When you have incredible success mm. domestically, every Australian goes, well, I want to make it big overseas and very few – very few Hugh Jackmans of the world. Let me put it that way. <laughs> Wait, are we talking Wolverine here? Or are we talking what, yeah. Boy from Oz? Where are we, where are we going? Or with Olivia Newton-John to go with something more, to something oh, more topical. Olivia. Yeah, Mate, you know, thank you for bringing Olivia. I'm going to take a massive, massive tangent. How sad was that? Yeah, it was a bit sad, wasn't One it? One of those people, yeah. you know what? I, I, I tweeted during the week, you know, she really did transcend generations, right? Like there's a whole lot of people, you know, Wardy for, for a group of people, sure. You know, even Judith Durham said that she died too. But most people our age and younger kind of know who she is, but didn't really. Livia was one of those people, I think Greece was so universal and so eternal, right? Just absolutely crossed all boundaries. I, I was speaking to a, a journal during the week who said, you know, she was one of those people, uh, all the girls wanted to be her and all the boys wanted to date her. And it was kind of yeah. like, that was, the, that was the thing. She was just so so lovely and so approachable. And whether we, whether we knew the real her, her or not, we thought we did. Um, yep. It really seemed, seemed, to, seemed to really impact people in a, a very, very universal way, maybe more than I can remember seeing, particularly on social media. Well, just to torture the analogy a bit further, how, how many talented Australian actresses have gone overseas and that you know the name of? And it's, it's the same with business. 
right. Yeah, so yeah, I, not not to divert away from from what you're saying, but yeah, it, it's mm. it's mm. it's tough. It is very tough, and and some um, I don't own shares in, in REA Group for all of the reasons I, I mentioned. I just don't think it's super compelling as a price. I've thought that for a while to my detriment. Mm. So it's yeah. absolutely been the wrong call. <laughs> um, I'm uncertain yeah. on these new yeah. growth initiatives. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's tough. It's tough. Mate, I want to I want to change gears entirely now. Let's let's go to Telstra. Can I can, can I, I I don't often read stuff. Can I read you some stats and then and then I'm going to ask you to guess the headline. Mm-hmm. Uh, key financial metrics on the top of their press release. FY22 reported total income, which they I don't know why they call revenue income. They do total. It's called revenue down four point seven percent. EBITDA operating profit down five percent. NPAT, which is net profit after tax, down 4.6%. Earnings per share, down 7.7%. Do you know what the headline was? Dividend up. <laughs> Telstra increases dividend on back of T22 completion, continued underlying growth and strong mobiles performance. Underlying growth, okay. Remarkable how they didn't find a way in that headline. A, a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 11, 13, 15 word headline. They didn't find room anywhere to mention the fact that every stat was down with the exception of the dividend. Isn't that yeah. remarkable? Yeah. I, I'm, I'm flabbergasted, mate. What, a, what an o- accidental oversight by the good people at Tell. <laughs> I own shares for full disclosure. Um, for reasons I've said before, it's in, it recommended one of our income services. Um, uh, but I don't, I don't mind taking a swing at the companies I own. I think it's, I think it's only right and appropriate. Um, that is just... Seriously, I mean... Mm. <sighs> You can argue that what all Telstra shareholders care about is the dividend. There's actually some argument to that. But if you've got 15 words to, to tell the story and you don't mention any of that stuff, I don't know. That's that's pretty rugged, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah, it's just going to... It just goes to show you that you you have to rely on yourself to to dig into the numbers. They're all there. Mm, mm, Telstra, has, mm. Telstra has presented everything it is legally mm, obliged mm. to do and has always done. <laughs> exactly. You know? So I, I do... I, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I hear what you're saying, but I, I don't have a huge amount of sympathy for the investor that goes, well, I didn't know about that. It's like what you... You read something in the telly, and that was the basis of mm. your your due diligence on mm. a company. Mm. You know, come on, there's there's more to it than that. And Can a lot of people I, say, "Oh, yeah, I don't know." That, I, well, that, I, that, that, that sounds. I know that sounds harsh. And then the the retort might be, "Yeah, but look, for a lot of people, they're not interested in, in doing all that." Great, then mm. fine, buy an ETF. Right, you're in the wrong game. Except they're I, not right. Mum and dad, mum and dads were sold Telstra by John Howard and, and Ziggy Zukowski and everybody else at listing. It was yeah, I, you know, I, I, you're you're absolutely yeah, right. Press a button and sell it. You know, if you don't like it or don't feel so as though you're not... No, that's the, but they don't, that's the thing, mate. When you, when, you, when you invite people who don't know as much and then criticise them for not knowing as much as they should or could or would, that's the bit I reckon. I don't know, mate. Do, do, do we not think at the same time a company CEO should be actually candid with the results and actually... You know, like, you're, you're right. On one hand, nothing's, nothing's illegal or dishonest about what they said. But if you're saying, let's rank a CEO at a company, I'm not going to talk about CEO because I don't want to get sued by Andy Penn, who, by the way, I think has done a pretty good job running Telstra. The results aren't, the results are ordinary, but in a really tough environment where they've been fighting, that, you know, they listed Telstra into deregulation. Like seriously, this was, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a mugs game trying to win. It's like running the airline, right? Who, who wants to run, go and run Telstra um, and try and get growth? Stupidly hard. So I'm not going to criticize Penn for the operations. I'm not going to criticize Penn at all because I don't want to get sued. So Andy, love you, dude. Thanks for listening. Um, I don't know, mate. Is like honestly, is this you know, if you if you're marking management teams on candor and honesty and telling us what we want to know and Buffett's line of we tell you what we'd want to know if our positions were reversed, mm. is is it legal? Sure. Is it okay? Sure. Should shareholders know better? In a perfect world, yeah. Um, 
but you know, it's like saying we should have seatbelts because people should know to drive slower, and other people should be more responsible. It's like there's there's some there's some element of, you know, yes yes, there's mutual responsibility. I'm not sure how much mutual there is in this part of responsibility rather than buyer beware. Yeah, yeah, no, that 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 is fair. But but you know, so we all make decisions at some point. Yes, for, yep. uh, based on on good reasoning or, or bad. Yeah, and and sometimes we can look back if we're honest with ourselves and go, oh, look, I know Johnny Howard said it was a good idea. Yep. But in the fullness of time, I'm, I'm actually, I don't know why people are so reluctant to change their minds like it's a bad thing. It's, I, I, yeah. I think not changing your mind is the bad thing, personally. I just don't, I just don't know if people are informed enough to change their minds. Well, I, well actually, yeah, well, let me what, ask you a question. Okay. Well, well, I was just going to say, what I was going to say is, if, if you're right, some people might not be informed enough. But that's the question you need to ask yourself. Without, it's, yeah. not, it's, not a, it's not a question of ego or anything like that. It's a question sure. of just, like, no one, forget what anyone else thinks about you. It doesn't matter. Or, you need to look in the mirror and just say, geez, I've got a whole bunch of money in this thing. Do I really, do I feel as though I've got a decent grasp of it or the handle? What's, yeah. what's it clear? And if the answer might be no, and that's cool. There's, there's, no, there's absolutely no criticism in that. And I find myself doing this on a pretty regular basis, let it be said. It's like, what am I thinking here? I mean, I just have those moments of clarity and honesty with yourself. Now, the answer might be no, no, I, I actually genuinely feel as though I'm very happy with this asset that I'm holding and feel it yeah. will deliver good returns for me. Like, great, fantastic. Right or wrong, at least, you've, at least you've asked that question and tried to answer it honestly. But if, if in asking that question, you come to the conclusion like, not, not even, oh, I think it's bad. Even if it's, I don't know, I don't know is, is, is the exact time that you sell. I, I hope is not an investment strategy. It's one of my favorite <laughs> mantras. Yeah, yeah. Just and and, and so, so you're saying that, look, a lot of people won't know. That. Like, that's great. Yeah. Look yourself in the mirror, ask that question. If the answer mm. is, I don't know, that's cool. Mm. Press a button, turn it into cash and put it into something where you, the answer is, I do know. Mm. Mm. I like that, mate. I, I, I'm not, and look, people listening to this podcast are absolutely in that boat. It's, it's people like, I'll just say my mother who doesn't have gel but could. Who, who bought them because it was to- told to her as a good idea back in 19-whatever, um, 2000-whatever, and has them because it seems like a good company, they're simply doing the right thing. It's the know-nothing investor or the know-a-tiny-bit investor who was, was sold on the was sold on the way, particularly and Telstra itself. They know how big their retail shareholder base is by, almost by definition. I think if you asked a, reasonable per- a reasonably informed person, you or I, right, somebody else, what proportion of Telstra's investor base is genuinely informed enough to be able to to be able to pass the earnings release, and what responsibility as a as an owner as a you say regular you know the the, the CEO works for the owners. Yeah. If your owner you know what what responsibility do you have as a CEO and a board to inform your owners of what they need to know, and if they don't know it, I don't know, mate. Morally, I reckon your responsibility is to say, hey, you need to know. This is what you need to know. Yeah. If, if you're not going to at least discharge that duty, kind of, I don't know. If you represent, if you if you're going to take a, a check. From from the company as as a representative of the owners, and not do at least that. I reckon you've got to have a pretty good hard look at yourself. Yep. 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 Here's no, my question. That, that's go, all fair. Go. All fair. No. Here's okay. my question for you. As we get close to wrapping up, I've got one last thing to talk about. But before we do, what percentage in by number, not by wealth, not by market cap or by kind of money, but just sheer number of people, what percentage of ASX investors should sell and stop investing? Based on the conversation we just had. Um, sell individual shares? Yeah. Sell individual shares? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I must have dropped out. Oh, sorry, um, no, I said yes, sorry, but my bad. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, it sounds so arrogant to say, but probably 70, 80%. Yeah. 
I, and that, this is kind of it goes to your, your exact point as much as I think Telstra have done a rough job a terrible job of trying to inform shareholders your, your point is also valid that there are a whole lot of people investing who frankly shouldn't be in individual shares and I think that's that's exactly right I think that's I don't know what the right number is. Either. I put you on the spot by making you pick a number. I probably would have said two thirds. So I wouldn't have been. I wouldn't have been far off you. Maybe maybe more generous than you. But yeah, I think that's right, mate. Between those who don't know enough, those who can't control their own temperaments, those who, you know, for whatever reason, are not going to do it. I'll say properly, and I'm not saying we have the only version of properly, but some version of properly which inquire, which in- entails enough uh, research, thought, education, expertise preparedness temperament whatever whatever combination of recipe that the recipe calls for to be a great investor or de- even just a decent investor right mm. i agree with you people um, don't people don't recognize the everyone's here for the good times right? <laughs> no one no one they're, they're here for the telstra dividend right what could possibly go wrong i'm getting my dividend from telstra exactly you know, that, that is yeah. why businesses yeah. like each of ours do r- really well when in a yeah. bull market and we do badly yeah. in, a, in a bear market oh mate can i tell you how frustrating that is for me i know you now, know this but we can grab people by the go no now is the time to be excited now is you uh-huh. know when 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 uh, when everyone's you know panicking mm. that's that's the that is this is the time right it does it doesn't work and it never it never will work it's just it's just it's just how it is so um what what I would say is this, though, is that mm. there's also context around that. I I know we were just talking before about a mutual friend who is can't mm. help themselves with the specky miners <laughs> and the rest. They just can't help themselves, right? But, yes. they're, but they're just fine. And you know what? Because yeah, they've yeah. got – what I don't know what the percentage is. Let's call it 80 yeah. 90% in very, yeah. very safe, proper, sensible investments. Companies. <laughs> exactly. And they, yeah. they get a huge amount yeah. of fun and distraction yeah. out yeah. of betting on yeah. them. That. That, I kind of – you know, for, for me, it's like, well, I wouldn't be buying that kind of crap. But, hey, yeah. I knock yeah. yourself out. You're not – that's very different <laughs> to the person who goes in and yeah. says, hey, yeah. here's, here's, here's 90% of my savings. I'm betting yeah. it all on Dodgy Brothers, <laughs> you know. <laughs> lithium exploration company. Yeah, it, yeah. It's very different. It's very or different. Or Commonwealth Bank, as you said. So, so yeah, like if you if you find yourself loving <laughs> yeah. that kind of stuff, then that's great. But you you, you yeah. can kind of you kind of have your cake and eat it too, right? Have a have a bit of fun. You do. You know, you it might be. I would say that pokies are probably the most stupid thing in the world. Yeah. But at the yeah. same time, if someone wanted to put five bucks in on a Friday night at the pub, I was like, knock yourself out. Yeah, I mean, what's the difference, right? Like that's that's yep. cool. Yep. If you're going to sit there every night for three hours betting the light, betting your paycheck on it, then, whoa, that's, the, a, uh, that's a different with thing. The poster jammed in the in the button, yeah, totally, exactly. totally, exactly. No, I agree, mate. It's a, it's a good point. It just occurs to me that you know, for all of that, I think we, I love democratization of share ownership, and I think there are what I love about, you know, what finance has done a lot of stuff wrong, and governments done a lot of stuff wrong. But the combination of ETFs and super funds mean that we can easily get access to long-term investment vehicles that really put the power of democratic capitalism in the hands of anyone who cares enough to invest. Yep. And I love that. I do think we've just, things gone too far where people are trying to, as you say, there for the good times. Um, I've said this before, but it drives me nuts. Our, our, our sales at The Motley Fool fall dramatically when we're in a bear market, despite the fact that historically those have been the best times to invest because yeah. no, one, no one's got FOMO. Uh, everyone could see disaster everywhere. No one's looking past this to the next good time. Uh, and there will be. I, I, I can't guarantee because I'm allowed to under ASIC rules, but I will almost all but guarantee it. Um, and so you kind of think, well, like this is the time people should be piling in. The bargain hunter should be here. You know, we all rush to the shops for a Boxing Day sale. When yeah. shares are on sale, I'm like, oh, not touching that not stuff. Touching I, want, that. I want the expensive ones. I'm going to wait till after pays 150 bucks and then I'm going to buy because that's really when it's just... Anyway. Can I? Can I? Wait, clari- me, oh yeah. Please. Just very, very quick. I want to clarify something. When I sort of said seventy percent shouldn't, <laughs> yeah. that's not because yeah. they can't. 
I think I think yes, anyone anyone has point. the capacity to, to do this stuff. Very good point. Um, so we don't want to come across as oh well, you need to be you've got to be really smart, <laughs> yeah, exactly. and, you know, like yeah, like yeah, I am. Yeah. Ha, ha, ha. You know, no, no. Any yeah, anyone yeah. can absolutely do it. Um, mm-hmm. It's just that you got to go in eyes wide open. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's a lot of work, mm-hmm. and yep, it's it it's a, it's an emotional roller coaster ride. Incredibly rewarding, um, not not just financially, but I just mm-hmm. I, there's something really um, compelling I personally find about it. Um, yeah. So go in eyes wide open and know what mm-hmm. you're in for. Know that there's going to be ups and downs and all the rest of it. You'll do incredibly well. And and if if, if you can pass a you know if you can fog a mirror and pass a driving test, you can you can do well on the share market. You might not be the next Warren Buffett. You might not even beat the index overall, but you'll probably still yeah. get a very adequate return longer term. Um, just don't be the kind of person who's just there because you want to get rich quick mm-hmm. or you've got mm-hmm. FOMO or you're not prepared to to, to yeah. spend, you know. You, I just, yep. oh, I, I could be bothered reading any of this stuff. I'm, <laughs> and I, I yeah, get that right. too because for a lot of people, yeah. it's as boring yeah. as, as, as the proverbial. Oh, and, then, and then don't, absolutely. Yeah. So just don't do it. Just yep. don't do it, yep. you know. Yep. I, I, do not have the, I do not have the capacity to, um, I don't know, swing a club for eight hours every yeah, every, yeah. every weekend to become a, a much better golfer. I don't play golf yeah. at all, so I don't know why I'm going with this analogy. But but <laughs> but but at the same time, I shouldn't expect yeah. to get onto yeah. the to the course and and Correct. and beat Jack Nicholson or I don't know <laughs> Tiger Woods. But, I, what, I don't know any actor? golfers. <laughs> um, <laughs> you mean Jack Nicholas? Yes, yes, I do. <laughs> Not Jack Nicholson, the actor. Well, he might he be a good player done. too. I don't know. He don't probably know. is. He, I, I don't know what I'm things. doing or talking about when it comes to golf. <laughs> I love it, mate. I love it. <laughs> hey, I'm going to finish with one thing, mate. One very quick thing, which is during the week. In fact, it was Wednesday. Was my, one of my favourite days of the year. I've talked about this before. I will talk about this again next year around the same date. It was Vanguard Index Chart Day. And this is, look, I say, I mention it all the time, right? It's like, oh, you never mentioned Vanguard Index Chart, Scott. That's interesting. I should check that out. I've mentioned it every time. And if you haven't yet, if you have checked it out, you know how good it is. Go and do yourself a favour. Download the latest one. Print it out. Replace it. Replace last year's one with this year's one next to your computer, wherever you need to put it. So you keep that front and centre. If you've never done it, now is a very, 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 very good day to do it because it is brand new. Hot off the presses. Just Google Vanguard Index Chart. You will find it. It's a spectacular resource and shows you the value of long-term investing. Please do it. Google Vanguard Index Chart. I have nothing, no, no dog in the fight. Just do it because it's worth doing. I see that it's come down a bit though. It has. It has. But hey, <laughs> you know, it's a nice problem to have, right? So what are we looking at here? Australia, Aussie shares, 10 9% grand. per year, 130 grand from 10 grand 30 years ago. 13-fold return for doing literally, precisely, not just literally nothing, precisely nothing. You had to do literally nothing. Yeah. You had okay. to sit in your hands for 30 years. That's all you had to do. Works pretty well. And every eight years, your money doubled. There Correct. Will you come back on Sunday? Yeah. Yep. Count me in. Talk to you then. Pull on. Cheers. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services licence 400691. Listener.